Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. He initiates. God is the initiator. You know, it's our great joy and privilege that we respond to this great agape love of God. It is a privilege for you to do so. It is a privilege. It's a great joy. You know, he is the initiator. We respond. He initiates. And this is what worship is. This is what worship is. It doesn't come from ourselves. The Spirit of God within us energizes. He makes us alive to God when previously we were just dead to God. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. On our program today, Scripture says, He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This shows the love of God. It might have shown enough love that the Father sent the Son and not some low-grade angel, but He sent the Son and not on a fact-finding mission or merely a mission of compassion. He sent the Son to die for our sins. Paul prays in Ephesians 3:18 for all to comprehend the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. And he will come and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine but my father's who sent me. So important so important for us to love. In verse 9 it says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Notice, the love of God was manifested toward us. It's not something we asked for. He did it. In fact, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love toward us, his agape love. He demonstrates toward us and that while we were yet sinners, again, Christ died for us. Is there anything more that God could have done for us when he has not even withheld from us his own son? In what ways has God manifested his love toward us? I just made a superficial list. Number one, he was willing to leave his heavenly home and be made in the likeness of sinful men. Talk about the great humiliation or the great condescension. I almost said condensation. Maybe it's just because of the weather. But that is the great condescension. He condescended to us from heaven. He left his abode. He left his home. And not only that, but he also identified us uh, with us in baptism, even though he was without sin and did not need to be baptized. But he went through it anyway. God Almighty. 
He manifested. He made, he showed it to us. He demonstrated it in very tangible ways. He was willing to be wrongly accused and he was silent. Just as it says in Isaiah 53 that as a lamb before its shears is silent, so we opened out his mouth. As he was ridiculed, as he was lied to, as he was lied about. Almighty God. I mean, can you imagine? See, that, that is a gulf that I can't understand. I can't understand why he who is holy, who spoke all things and he has need of nothing he can't learn anything he's perfect and holy in every facet of the imagination and yet he will come to be dwell and be a human being and then to die in our place and be ridiculed that is true agape love see we didn't even ask for it in fact in in revelation chapter 18 verse 3 it says that he is a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth that means before genesis 1 1 There was already a plan. There was already a rescue plan. There was a mission that had already been established. And he didn't ask our opinion. He didn't ask for a vote. He didn't take a poll to find out how many people would appreciate him if he did such a thing, or if he didn't do such a thing. How many of my constituents would be agreeable to me doing this? He never went to Barna Research and said, Can you find it? Look at the polls. Do a poll. Let's see the numbers first. I want hard data before I'm going to do this because after all, you know, I am God. I'm not going to do this for nothing, you know. There's got to be something in it for me. But no. He was willing to be wrongly abused and beaten. He was willing to endure shame and ridicule, willing to be misunderstood, willing to be publicly humiliated. Do you know as he stood on that or as he hung on that cross, he was stripped naked on that cross. And there he is. The Son of God, the creator of all things, there he was. And not only that, he was willing to be our atonement or propitiation, which just means an expiation. It just means to be delivered from sin. He was the one who did that. Jesus, in our place, he was willing to do that. And so when we look at verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Notice, might live. Because the invitation there is open to every single soul that's ever been born. But might is an incredible word. Because the invitation is there, but God knows that not everybody's going to receive him. He knows that not everybody's going to take that invitation. And isn't that the travesty of the whole human race? (laughs) Is that God has done all of this for us? Manifested his love? given us this provision, and yet there are those who, to, you know, even right now, and perhaps some of you today, hopefully not any of you, but if you're here today and that's your heart, please understand that you have to make a decision today. You can't leave this door. You can't leave this place until you make that decision. And I would encourage you to make the right decision because there's only one who loves you like God loves you. No one else really loves you, but God really, really, really loves you. And I know this because he demonstrated it. He manifested it. He made it known. See, talk is cheap. We all know that. You can say all you want, but until I see action in your love, you can tell me you love me all you want, but until I see you do the dishes, until I see you help with the laundry, until I see you take out the trash without me having to ask. Until I see you pick up the socks that are always in the corner and the, and the, the bin is right there. It's right there. Just for heaven's sakes, for the love of God and Pete, put your socks in there. See, this is what I keep telling my wife. 
No birthday cake for me. I'm only kidding. She never does that. But you know, love, that's what it takes. It's a demonstration. Men, I'd encourage you, you can tell your wife you love her all you, all you want, but until she sees you making decisions that prove that love, that's really what this is about. Jesus' love was manifested. It was put on display for everyone to see. When we didn't deserve it, when we didn't ask for it, we didn't even care. We didn't even want it. And that's really the way it happened for me. When I came to Christ, I wasn't even looking for him. I didn't care about him. I was happy in my sin. Thank you very much. He invaded me. You've heard the story. I keep telling I can't escape it. But I wasn't looking. Is that love? Knowing that he, he, he knew where I was headed. He knew where you were headed. He saw you going along your life and thinking that you had it all together. And he's like, you don't even have a clue of what love is. You have no clue of what life is. You've been lied to, and this is the direction you're going. Well, I'm going to put an end to it. I'm going to intervene. And you know, God intervenes many times in a life. He intervened in my, intervened in my life several times. And now I look back on those times, and I'm going, wow, God, you really set up different people in my path all along. And he's like, yes, because I was trying to stop you. I was like that donkey when Balaam was riding that donkey, and the donkey's stopping before Balaam, and Balaam's whacking the donkey. That was God trying to put a, put a stop to the madness of your life. And then he saves you. You open your heart, maybe for the first time. In verse 10 it says, In this is love. Notice, again, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. See, we didn't find God. I didn't find God. He found me. And, but then I like to boast afterward, oh, when, when, when was it that you came to Christ? Well, I found God in 1996. I found him, yeah. He was hiding, but, you know, I saw his halo picking, you know, sticking out from the edge of the thing there, and I reached over and grabbed it, and who are you? No, I wasn't looking. He found me. He found you. Aren't you glad you've been found? So good to be found, isn't it? <laughs> See, that's the secret. As a result of all of that, this is what agape love does. It does not seek to do, it seeks to do good. It doesn't wait for good to be done first. You know, in verses 9 and 10 of this chapter, and also in verse 19, let me just read them to you. We just read verse 9 and 10. And this, the love of God, was manifested toward us, that God sent his only Son, begotten Son, into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, he says in verse 10, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And then in verse 19, it says this, we love him because he first loved us. It's like, wow. Is he initiating everything? I think he is. I don't initiate anything. He initiates. God is the initiator. And you know, it's our great joy and privilege that we respond to this great agape love of God. It is a privilege for you to do so. It is a privilege. It's a great joy. You know, he is the initiator. We respond. He initiates. And this is what worship is. This is what worship is. It doesn't come from ourselves. The Spirit of God within us energizes us. He makes us alive to God when previously we were just dead to God. Dead to God. Notice that God the Father sent his Son to be the propitiation, to be the expiation, to, to be the atonement. And notice that Jesus didn't argue with him. He was willing. He was the humble servant, obedient. You know, he left glory to come to earth to save us. If you were God, what would you do? I don't know that I'd want to be inconvenienced. I'm living in a pretty good thing here. I don't even know. 
what sin is, what sin is like. I don't know what it's like to have a sinful heart. And of course, Jesus never did have a sinful heart, but he came to the, came to the, the earth and paid the price. But see, we cannot understand it. I can't completely comprehend the great condescension that Jesus came. Jesus came to save that which was lost. And he said in a parable, he says, What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more than over that sheep than over the ninety-nine that did not go astray. I was that stray sheep and so were you. And God came after you. He initiated. He came after you. He came after you. The word propitiation is interesting. And not only does it mean atonement, but it also means an appeasing. An appeasing. God was appeased when Christ died on the cross. It sounds kind of sick, really, if you think of it that way. But notice what it says in Isaiah 53, verse 10. It says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased God to crush him. Why did it please him? Not because he hated his son, because he knew what was going to be the result of that crushing. He knew the result of that expiation on that cross. He knew what was going to happen. It pleased him. It satisfied him because it was the only way. There was no other way. Even Jesus in the garden, remember, he cried out to the Lord three different times. And we're going to look at that tonight, briefly. He repetitive. He was desperate in his repetition. If there can be any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. But there was no other way. And Jesus knew that too. But you know what? It still doesn't restrict the heart from asking out of desperation. Because do you think that he enjoyed being separated from his father for the very first time in all of his existence. He's never known that, by the way. And then to be separated on the cross, he was forsaken on that cross. Stricken, smitten, and afflicted of God. God the Father turned his back on his son for a time. He's never known that. And he did that for you and I. And now he even bears the scars in heaven. There's a man in heaven right now. He's not a ghost. He's not an apparition. He's flesh and bone. But he's in the heavens right now interceding for you and I and still bearing the marks of the crucifixion in his body, that when we see him, it'll always be a reminder to us of the great price, the great propitiation, the great atonement, how God was appeased. He says in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And if God is able to do this, Aren't we able, by the Spirit of God that dwells in us, to love each other? Again, is love easy? Is there, is there always the fireworks? Is love easy? I don't think love is really easy. Love is a decision. Love is a decision. Like when a man gives his vows and when a wife gives her vows on their wedding day. They make a decision before their friends, their family, before God. They make a decision. These are the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to uphold. And when we fail, we go to the cross and we ask for forgiveness. But if God is able to do this, if he's able to love us the way he has demonstrated it, how it was manifested, right? We looked at that. And Peter, James, and John knew 
They, they, they've seen him. It was manifested to them. Remember, in Matthew 17, it records for us the, the transfiguration. Well, they stood on that mountain, and there they are, the Jesus and the three disciples. And all of a sudden, there appears Moses and Elijah. And the guys were sleeping, and finally they wake up, and they're like, this is Jesus. This is, and, and they see Jesus transformed before them in his glorified state. And then, then, a, a, and then Peter, of course, he's the first one to open his mouth. It's good for us to be here. Let's put up three Coleman tents. Let's have s'mores, man. This is awesome. And I'll give the really big fat one to Moses and Elijah. And a cloud overcovers them. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him. He is love, the embodiment of agape love. He is the one. If God is able to love us, we also ought to love one another. And you know what? I'm so blessed for this fellowship because you know what? You guys have been some of the most loving people. Seriously. Not only, you know, to to each other, you know, you see this and it's just really wonderful to see how you care for each other, how you love one another. And let me tell you, it is never convenient, is it? It's never convenient. It's never easy. It's never it, it's, it's other centered. When that mother has a child and she's totally worn out and she's got a whole brood of kids and all the ladies pitch in and they bring her food preparing her meals for a week or two so that she can get her strength back to those who have lost someone they call them on the phone anything we can do yeah there is something you can do you know what I haven't mowed my grass in three weeks I've just been so distraught you know what and then a guy goes out and mows the grass these simple things like this, but they're never convenient. And you know what? Love is messy sometimes. And I would encourage you to, to, to go beyond yourself because the love that we have can be kind of like this. Actually, I've used this before. I'm probably going to hang myself with it before long. <laughs> love can be like that, right? But you know, sometimes... It's when the Lord brings us out here, he challenges us to this kind of love where we're like stressed. We're stressed and we just can't understand. We don't even want to do it, but we know it's the right thing to do. And your family situation at home, everybody's like, don't, you know, whatever. We want to be with you. And then yet there's this great need and nobody else is involved in it. And you know about it and you do it. And it means it breathes life into some other life, into some other family, and you do it. As a, as a sacrifice. Get your whole family in involved on it. Get them all in on it. Do it together. Love each other. Let that be the mark of this fellowship in every church in Rochester. Especially in the age we live in now, there's so much hate. There's so much nastiness. Let's show the love of God in us, through us. Let it happen. Make it happen. And you know what? Even when you don't feel like it, because the devil will come along and say to you, when you have something that you want to do, you feel like you want to do something, and, and in your heart you really don't want to, but you know it's the right thing to do. And that's when the devil loves, loves to come by and say, you know what, you're just a hypocrite. You really don't feel this in your heart. You know you don't. You're just doing this to make brownie points with God. You don't have it in you. You're just doing it. You know what you can respond to him? Yeah, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to do it anyway. So go away. You do the right thing because it's the right thing and let your emotions catch up with you later because your emotions in the moment may not be there. Have you, have you, you've all experienced this. You do something and you're, you're just, you're not in it, but you know it's the right thing to do. Do the right thing. Always. Let the emotions catch up maybe a day or two later. And God will reward you for doing the right thing, for doing the self-sacrificing thing, to do the thing that's not convenient, to do the thing that nobody wants to do, to do the thing that no one's going to see even. You're going to do this in complete obscurity. No one's going to see you do it, and yet you do it anyway. That is the thing that God will reward you one day. And let me tell you, it may not seem like a big deal now, but then it will be a big deal. And I believe that. I believe that when we get to that beam of seat judgment, all of us as believers, there are going to be things that I wished I'd have done differently. And I believe if God were to give us a glimpse of his glory, you know, even just for a moment, to just right here on the platform, just to make himself visible for just a second, just to manifest himself, believe me, every one of us would not be seated. That's cool, isn't it? See, that's the one who loves. That's the one who died for us. That's the one who secured a place for us. That's where we're going. Do you realize that? Every one of you, if you're a believer, that's where you're going. In spite of your frailty, in spite of your sin here and there, whatever it is, in spite of your personality, in spite of the things that you know you haven't done that you should have done, in spite of the things that you know you should do and you haven't done, when he appears, you're going to be with him. And I say all that just to spur you on, to encourage you to not wait for the feelings. Don't wait for the feelings. God's love was manifested toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let's go out and do the same thing. I love it when everything is going well and my feelings are there. Believe me, those are really great times, aren't they? When you, when you want to do something and you know it's good and your emotions are engaged in it, man, those are the sweetest times. But the harder times is when they're not. They're not anywhere to be found, and you're, everything is against you. <laughs> everything is against you. Has anybody, raise your hand if you've experienced that. It's true. It's like you, you try to do something good when your feelings aren't in it, and everything you do just feels like you're hitting a wall, and the devil's just going, you're doing it for the wrong, you're just a hypocrite, you're just nobody, you're just, you know, just stop. And maybe, maybe it is for someone else to do, but you keep going until the Lord stops you. But be challenged by love, especially husbands and wives. Love each other sacrificially. It's not, not all about you. Love each other the way God intended you to love each other. Let's stand. Father God, you know that we live in uh, perilous times. You know that we live in a culture that is uh, filled with hate. Father, you know that our our media is filled with hate. But Lord, you are filled with love. And so Jesus, we ask you today to challenge us, to cleanse us from all impurities, Father, all sin, everything in our life that is a barrier to us fulfilling that great commission, to fulfilling that great high order, Lord, to love one another as you have loved us, to love each other. Please help us, Lord. You know that we need this. We need to have you at the center again. So, Lord, we invite you to do that in Jesus' name.
Amen. I'm sorry that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as we continue our study in John's epistles. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.